Today's episode of the Immaculate Podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Steelers tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting. And buy it in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play. Work that clock to your advantage and score last-minute tickets. You're listening to the Immaculate Podcast with Tim McMaster and Ed Bachet. The Steelers are back, or it seems like they are. October 14th, this is episode 16 of the Immaculate Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Ed Bouchette. And Ed, the Steelers went out west where they usually struggle, but it was almost like a home game. Dignity Health Park in California felt like Heinz Field West, and the Steelers take care of business and maybe save the season to improve to 2-4. and four. Before we dive into this game fully and, and the Ducks' performance and the de- defense's dominance, just an overall thought from you on the game. Well, I do think they uh, saved their season, by the way, uh, Tim, because uh, they would have fallen three games behind Baltimore with a loss. Uh, that was a huge win for them. Uh, it, it's something we haven't seen for most of the year. Uh, the defense has been playing well, got getting better, but not as dominant against a good quarterback like that. Uh, the running game, we haven't seen the running game all year. All of a sudden, boom, uh, it, it, it comes together. And they actually were uh, con- committed to it, something I don't think they've done up until now. Uh, and, of course, the Duck managed the game very well. Let's start there with the Duck. 15 of 20, 132 yards, a touchdown, an interception. Uh, that equals out to a 60.8 QBR. Um, he, he brought some swagger before the game. He was wearing a T-shirt and warm-up saying, I'm the boss, California. Um, it just seems like this guy, even though he's the fourth-string quarterback, he's an undrafted free agent and all that stuff, it just seems like he has a confidence that kind of rubs off on his teammates. He does. And, um, you know, he has what they call a swagger. Um, and, it, it, you know, he, he did very well at Samford. He, that's probably where all that confidence was built, um, not to mention his duck-calling uh, championships. <laughs> Uh, but he, you know, he, he still has his limitations, which is why he wasn't drafted. He filled in very nice, managed that game very nice. They didn't ask him to do a lot, but what they asked him to do, he did very well. Um, I would give him a B-plus to an A for that performance. And even his interception, I thought, um, I don't know why they called it at that point, a deep pass with a big lead like that. But nevertheless, uh, I thought Holton could have uh, tried a little harder on that ball. Yeah, to knock that thing down and, and keep it away from the defender. Uh, we mentioned that he didn't he didn't really throw downfield. He took what the defense gave him. He only threw four passes beyond 10 yards. On those passes, he was 0 for 4 with the interception. Eight of his 15 completions were actually behind the line of scrimmage. Um, the one thing that I thought early on at the first pass of the game, he drops back, and, and it looks like Juju has a step on the defender down the sideline. And it was almost like Hodges threw a back shoulder throw to him, and, and it ended up being incomplete. And for a moment, 
I was kind of like, uh-oh, this this could be a long game. But then he settled in, and he really stopped throwing those type of passes. Um, but but were you, you know, what was your initial thought on that first throw, and and what we were going to be in for with Devlin Hodges? The same as yours, Tim. I said, uh-oh, <laughs> this is not going to go well. Um, he really underthrew him. I don't know if that was supposed to be back shoulder. Usually, you don't throw the deep ball on a back shoulder right. like that. Um, and he had him open. If he hung it out there, could have gone for a touchdown. But uh, I I like the call. It showed, um, even if this wasn't their plan, that uh, they weren't afraid to let him cut it loose. And uh, I think maybe that might have loosened up the Chargers' defense a little bit, even though the Steelers did nothing on that first possession. Yeah, they really did. And, and he took the short passes for the most of the game from then on. And one thing that was interesting to me is that the, the Chargers seem to almost give them all those little throws to the running backs. Ed. And you'd think in a game plan situation coming into something, facing a fourth string quarterback like this, the, the idea would be to take that stuff away and challenge him to beat them deep. But it seemed like the Chargers had the the exact opposite game plan where they were giving him the little stuff and Hodges more than happy to take it. And so were the Steelers to, to put together some long drives. Were you a little confused by the Chargers approach or, or what did you think of that? You know what, Tim, I chat with uh, the athletic subscribers during the game. And at one point I said, the Chargers had one job, one man to stop. It was James Connor. And it's like they ignored him both in the passing game and the run game. And, and you know, he got hurt, and then uh, Benny Snell came in and, and did a nice job. But I, I was very confused what the Chargers were trying to do because they had a quarterback making his first start on the road, even though there were 80% Steelers fans in that stadium. Uh, it still uh, had to uh, – you, you, you had to let him beat you and not – the running game and, and the, the running game and the running backs catching the ball beat them. Yeah, and they were also the Steelers defense, of course. <laughs> yeah, which we are certainly going to get to that performance. Uh, one more thing on Hodges. He had all day. I mean, he got the ball out quick. No doubt about that. He found the running backs. He did the check downs. Um, but credit to the offensive line as well. And maybe another criticism of the Chargers attack was that they were unable to put pressure on a fourth-string quarterback. But Hodges not sacked, and he was never hit, Ed, which just surprised. In the NFL these days, you think you at least get in there for a hit. But he, he leaves this game pretty much with a clean uniform. Um, they kept the pressure off of him, and, and it seemed like the Steelers team as a whole, you know, with the offensive line, the way they were able to perform, the way the defense was able to get him a lead, they made this a comfortable night for Devlin Hodges. Yes, they did, and he... You know, he, he contributed to Tim. I mean, that one low snap um, when they were near the goal line, uh, deep in, in, in Chargers territory, and, you know, the snap dribbled back to him. He calmly picked it up, ran away from the pressure, and threw the pass away. Um, it, was, uh, it was a cool moment, I thought, by the quarterback, and uh, that showed um, how he can operate under fire. Absolutely, because how many times, even with veteran quarterbacks, how many times do you see that situation? And a lot of different things can happen. One, I mean, quarterbacks, players are often told to just dive on the ball um, rather than turn it over. You could have dove on the ball, but then suddenly you're way back as far as field goal range goes. 
he could have continued to bumble it and fumble it and turn it over, or you know, you you panic and throw the interception. So many bad things can happen on a snap like that. That's so far back. He was he did exactly what you said. It was it was cool and collected. He made sure he he got the football and then he rolled out and then he just clearly threw it away. And it's one of those things that I think as a fan, you're watching, you're like, well, that's the obvious thing to do. Just throw the ball away. But I think it's a lot different when you're in the game, especially if it's your first ever NFL start. And for him to do that and what ended up being a kind of a key moment there, because that ends up being a big moment to, to get those field goal, to get those points, get that field goal and get that little extra advantage there late in the game. All right. You mentioned the running game. Let's go there next. Um, because they were committed to Connor through the air on the ground as well. Connor, 16 carries, 41 yards on the ground, touchdown, seven catches for 78 yards as he quickly became uh, the Ducks' favorite target. But Connor gets hurt in the second half, and they stuck to it with the run. They kept going to Snell, who ended up being the leading carrier in the game of 17 carries, 75 yards. That kind of showed that commitment, Ed, the fact that even when their number one back went down, they kept feeding the number two guy who performed great. Yeah, I mean, that's what I said early, um, Tim, the commitment to the running game as well, um, and, and not just the running game but the backs because you have to count those those catches by Connor especially uh, as part, I, you know, it's part of the kind of running game, if you will, in, in, in modern NFL football. Uh, the commitment was there, and I – don't know that we've seen that up until now and Snell seemed to give them a a, it's it's kind of a nice um the way those guys kind of counter each other right Connor's like the the hard nose he'll get you that tough yard he'll put his head down and then Snell can seems like he could do a little more talk about his performance being able to step up with Connor down and how much confidence is there now that this is kind of a a one-two punch that the Steelers can have out there yeah, it, Snell um, is starting to become the back the Steelers thought uh, he would be when they drafted him in the fourth round, Tim. Um, he was a little disappointing in the preseason and in the early games, but he didn't get a lot of work. Um, you know, he was the third back um, when Jalen Samuels was healthy, and third backs don't in this offense don't get much work. And you have to be in a groove to be a running back a little bit, uh, and uh, he got into one last night and um you know that will uh not only build his confidence but uh, the coach's confidence in him of course the other side of that and the fact that snell got all those carries is the fact that connor did get banged up again this almost seems like it's a a weekly occurrence at this point at at some point james connor um tweaks something and, and has to leave the game this time it was a quad as he left in the second half how much do you think the team's concerned just at his ability to stay healthy through an entire football game? Well, um, it, 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 I don't know that concern is that it, it, it is that much of a concern, if you will. Um, you know, he lost a little more weight in this offseason um, and came in a little more taut and in shape. Sometimes, uh, you know, and maybe that will serve him better long term. But sometimes you need a little bit of that cushion, um, that Jerome Bettis-like uh, uh, body, if you will. He'll never get that, you know, like Bettis, the bust. <laughs> but um, you get a little too taut, and those muscles take a hit. And you know, I don't know. I, maybe I'm going off the deep end here. But sometimes uh, 
you know, you, you, you tend to strain more muscles, I think, as a back when you get those hits. Now, his is a, a quad or a thigh, if you will, and it shouldn't be that that bad. I mean, thighs can be bad if you tear them, but that doesn't sound like what this is. Yeah, it seems like a minor thing. I would expect he'll he'll be back, and obviously they, they have some time here as well. Um, so plenty of time to get back before that game against the Dolphins next time up. Um, the receivers weren't a part of the game plan, really. Obviously, the, the idea was to keep it short, but uh, I thought our, our good friend Mark Caboli made a good point um, in his article pointing out that while the receivers – weren't part of the offensive game plan from a pass-catching standpoint for the most part, Ed. They did do a really good job blocking downfield, and they became part of that successful running game. Um, and it shows, to, to some degree, a unselfishness of this running of this receiving core um, to not get frustrated knowing they're not going to get the ball and to still do the little things to help this team win. I saw no Steelers receivers attacking a Gatorade bucket last night. <laughs> Uh, Tim, can you imagine if Antonio Brown caught one pass on a couple, just a couple targets for seven yards as Juju Smith-Schuster did last night? And Juju did not uh, have a big game last week against Baltimore either, and he has not, uh, he has not shown any kind of uh, uh, anger or anything else along those lines. And Antonio Brown would be his his head would be exploding at this point. Um, you're right. They, um, they're buying into this and, you know, I think they realize, uh, Ben Roethlisberger is not out there at quarterback. And, um, even when Mason Rudolph returns, um, that, that, you know, the passing game is going to be a little different than it has been under with Ben there. Yeah, probably, hopefully a little more prolific than with uh, with Duck in, but it still won't be what it what it used to be with Ben for sure. Um, one more thing on the receivers, and that is Dante Moncrief caught a ball then, and it was a it was a difficult pass to catch as opposed to to what we saw in the first couple of weeks where he was just dropping balls in his hands. This was a a tough pattern on a, kind of an out route, and he goes low and leaves his feet and makes a nice catch to get his hands under the football. Um, I'm not saying suddenly Moncrief's going to move back into the steady rotation, but at least this, or even stay on the roster after a few more weeks, but at least it was nice to see a glimmer of hope for Dante Moncrief. Well, you know, sometimes the easy catches are the toughest ones, Tim. You, when I talked yeah. to Moncrief a couple of weeks ago and asked him, you know, about the drops, he said he was overthinking things. Well, he didn't have time to think on that one. It was a nice diving catch, picked it up right before it hit the ground, and it was only about, what, about 10 yards or so. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but still enough, I think, to uh, help both him and the coach's uh, confidence in him. Uh, I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm not sure they're going to release him. Uh, uh, we'll see, but, uh, you know, I still think he can be a good receiver. Yeah, that's something. Uh, what is the, what's the deadline on that? When the, is it week 10? Uh, they have to do it before the Cleveland game, which is November 14th. Okay. Sometime before that. If they're going to, and just for people who aren't aware, because L.J. Fort was released by Philadelphia, it made it two, two UFAs lost and two UFAs signed. You need to have lost one more to get the, uh, a, a draft pick. And in this case, it, everybody's assuming it would be a third-round pick because of the loss of Le'Veon Bell. They now don't have that. Uh, if they cut Moncrief before the 10th game, uh, 
they would they would get that third round pick back. All right, let's shift over to the real star of this game, Ed, and that was the defense. We started with the offense because obviously the storyline around Devlin Hodges, but the defense is the reason the Steelers, I'm not going to say the reason they won the game, but but they certainly set the tone. It was a Steelers defense that we haven't seen really the, to this dominance, I think, in years, but three more turnovers. They now have a plus seven ratio on the season and really some star performances, but the turnovers early set the tone um, the, the fumbled backward pass and Devin Bush had the kind of wherewithal when a lot of people were just looking around to actually, sure enough, the rookie's the one who thinks, oh, I better pick up that football and take it into the end zone. He does for the touchdown. Then he had the interception as well. So let's start with Bush and just his, his big plays and the factor they had in this game. He was huge. Oh, he's really come into his own here, uh, Tim. He had some ups and downs early in the season. Hey, he's a rookie. Even, you know, even though he's the 10th pick in the draft, um, you know, he had a, they wanted to put a lot on his shoulders, uh, including calling the defensive signals from the, or at least relaying them from the, the coaching staff. So, uh, and he's, you know, last night was his best game. He's, he's got a bunch of turnovers already. Um, he's making good decisions. It looks like so. Uh, he's he's certainly making their trade up look good right now. And um, those turnovers, by the way, they have 15 as a team. Uh, that's what they had all last season. So the emphasis on turnovers and adding a few b- new people on that defense has really helped. Yeah, 15 through six weeks, and that's what they did all last year. Kind of amazing. And and he did have the touchdown, then he had the interception. Um, you look around the league, um, and he has to be right. He's in the conversation now early. It's week six. I get that. But but as far as rookie of the year on the defensive side of the football, he has to have put himself at least in that discussion. Oh, for sure, Tim. I mean, the, he was, uh, I think, top five choice uh, going into the season as a as a rookie of the year candidate, at least, you know, we're, we're, those people who put odds on it had him, and uh, I, I don't think he's. Uh, I think he's even enhanced that so far. So he made those big splash plays early that everybody notices, but the defense as a unit uh, made plays throughout the night, including even though they only had one sack of Phillip Rivers in this game, it seemed like he was always under duress. There was pressure on him a lot. I know T.J. Watt alone um, got to him and hit him four times. I actually took a while before I went to the box score and actually looked up the official numbers and it, it actually shocked me Ed, to realize that they only sacked him once because it felt like they were getting to, to Rivers all night long. Yeah, and they were, Tim. And even at, um, the one in, the early interception by Bush, that was tipped at the line by yep. uh, defensive end Tyson Alu-Alu. Uh That defensive line played really well. Um, it's it's you know it's too bad Stefan Tuit came down with his injury, but. Uh, uh, they do have good depth there, and they played they played well right up until the end, even with two and out. So Rivers ended up 26 of 44, 320 yards. So he got the yardage, a couple touchdowns, but he had the two interceptions, just a 14.9 QBR. Um, and you mentioned the D-line as a whole. The running defense was great. The Chargers had 32 yards on just 13 carries. Now, obviously, they... 
they abandoned the run to a degree at some point because they were down in this game. But I felt like they also just abandoned it because it just wasn't working at all. They had the 32 yards. 11 of those yards came on one run. Uh, just talk about the defensive line and how you what you felt like they did a little differently as far as stopping the run this week because that's something we haven't seen all season. Yeah, and it wasn't just the line, Tim. It was the linebackers. I think having Vince Williams back at full speed really helps that run defense. He's a thumper. You know, um, he's been criticized at times in the past because uh, 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 some tight ends have caught passes over him. But, you know, his strength is stopping the run and rushing the passer. He can rush the passer as well. He's He's got um, an inordinate inordinate amount of sacks for an inside linebacker through the years. But um, I think that was a big help. Bud Dupree's really coming on. You know, um, people will judge him by his sack total, but I thought he did well against the run. Um, T.J. Watt as well. So it wasn't just the line. It was that front seven uh, of of the line and linebackers uh, Sunday night, Tim. You mentioned the tight ends, and I guess if there was one thing we could criticize on this team, it would be that covering the tight end. Henry ended up with eight catches for 100 yards, but none of that seemed – it wasn't plays that, for the most part, burned this team. Um, And I think you can – if something's got to give, that's a pretty good thing to allow to give. Now, you mentioned the two-it injury. Um, It's a pectoral muscle. Seems like he might miss some time. You think they're, they're fine as far as depth behind him, though, going forward if he misses a month? Yeah, it's never good when you lose uh, good players, Tim, But um, and th- because you dig down into your depth more. You can't have the rotation like they ha- like to have on their defensive line. Um, but I, I thought Tyson Alualu played well. They have uh, Javon Hargrave. You know, he'll play end as well as nose tackle. In fact, they had Daniel McCullers out there at nose tackle. He put a good pressure uh, one time um, that I saw on – Rivers, so they have those four linemen still. They can, uh, you know, they can rotate Hargrave uh, when they play uh, in their ni- their nickel and dime defenses, where they only use two down linemen. You know, um, he can play that end, and and when they don't need a nose tackle, when they do need a nose tackle, McCullers can come in and spell Hargrave. So, I think they're still in good shape, but uh, certainly. Uh, you know, they'll hate missing Stefan Tuit out there. Yeah, hopefully he's not out for too long. We will see and, and get that information as the week kind of goes on. Um, from coaching standpoint, Ed, there was a couple late decisions in this game, uh, really one for each team that, that I thought was interesting. We can get into it a little bit. The Chargers made this interesting late, certainly. 24-17 after they get a touchdown with a uh, little over two minutes to go. I think maybe it was a, closer to three minutes to play. Um, and they have the decision because they had three timeouts still. They could kick off, um, try to play defense, use those timeouts and get the ball back in decent field position or go for the onside kick, which since they changed the rules and in your line, basically when you're lining up for the onside kick, your guys are, are running are not running when the ball's kicked. They're starting from a standing point. Since that rule was changed, onside kicks really rarely turn out to to help you get the ball back so I was actually surprised they didn't just kick off there um, and it turned out to, to give the Steelers pretty good field position uh, what did did you think that was fine or, or were you critical too of the fact that they didn't kick the ball deep and try to hold the Steelers no I thought 
the onside kick was the good choice, mm. uh, Tim. I mean, 2020 okay. hindsight, they didn't get it, so it was a bad choice. Right. But I think there was only a minute something left, if a minute and a half. Um, oh, yeah, maybe you're right. I was and I know, they had, time. I know they had timeouts left, but um, you, you can still, you, you know, if you don't get the onside kick, you still, your defense can still go out and hold that other team, which they did, um, and uh, get the ball back, which they did. Uh, so I, I, it gives you one extra chance. Um, if you kick off, now the Steelers are going to run three plays and punt, which is basically what they did anyway. Um, and you had the chance in a, for, for a second there, it looked like a good chance they were going to get that onside kick. Yeah, they actually, uh, <laughs> it was a great kick. It's just tricky these days, but it certainly was a good kick and it, and it um, got a good bounce. Came yeah. Through. yeah, Sutton. Look confident, and it's hard to be confident on those plays with the bouncing ball coming at you that way. But Sutton doing a great job, so that set up the decision for the Steelers, which was when they did get stopped after three plays, try a 52-yard field goal on fourth and one from the 36 from the Chargers 36, go for it and try to just get the first down and put the game away, or punt. The Steelers decided to punt, which turned out to, to look pretty good when the punter nailed it. They, they down the ball on the one-yard line, and the Chargers then have to go 99 yards in a very short amount of time. But I actually, um, if I had been Mike Tomlin in that spot, Ed, I think I'd go for it on fourth and one. What, what would your decision have been in that spot? Well, my last decision, uh, it would have, it, no decision for me, would have been not try the 54. It would have been 54-yard field 54. goal. Team. I think we can all you, agree that that count. wasn't the play. Yeah. No, no. I, I and that, Because if you miss it, then you, they get good field position right from where you kicked it, and, 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 and that you didn't need that. Um, go for it would have been a possibility. The 36, that's not too bad. If you punt it, you're looking at at least them starting at the 20 if the punt goes in the end zone. Um I I thought punting was not a bad choice at all, and um, turned out it was a great choice. Yeah, the punter made him look good, certainly, as they got him down on the one yard line, and then that leads to the ends up leading eventually to the uh, the Smith interception to to put the game away. Um, so that brings us to the big picture, Ed. This team's now two and four, which isn't a great record, but when you look at the division, <laughs> they're tied for second place. They're two games behind the Ravens. You mentioned that off the top, but um, they get a bye here to try to get healthy, and then they have the Dolphins coming up at home, 0-5 Dolphins on Monday Night Football, so you think that probably makes you 3-4, and four. and then those teams ahead of them, both the Ravens and the Browns, both have games coming up with the Patriots and some tough games ahead, so it certainly feels like at 2-4, and four, there is, they're in as good a position at 2-4 and four as you could hope for. A lot better than 0-3 or 1-4, and four, Tim, <laughs> yeah. uh, when uh, everybody was throwing dirt on them, including me. Um, this this AFC is such a jumbled mess after New England and Buffalo. It's uh, it's hard to even say who's going to win. You know, Kansas City has lost their last two games at home, which is a tough place to play for an opponent. Anyway, um, the Steelers at two and four are not in terrible shape. Um, you know, had they found a way, the what if game, had they found a way to beat Baltimore. They'd be tied for first right now. Right. And and really, you look at all their losses, 
and the, the three total uh, all within a, you know less than a touchdown not in all, each game. So. Not all. Oh, except that opener. <laughs> I forgot. I blocked out the Patriots game. <laughs> yeah, they'd like yes. to do that too. Except, except the opener. Uh, all the losses have been close, except for the one to to start the season. So, yeah, certainly an interesting spot. Um, they were outgained on Sunday night, three forty eight to two fifty six. But a lot of that plays into the game plan and and what they were trying to do. That brings us finally. Ed, we're going to finish things off with the game ball. And I know last time we only gave out one game ball. Um, we're going to do all three this time. So offense, defense, and special teams. I'll let you go first on these. Let's start with the offense. Who are you giving your game ball to? We should have a drum roll for this, uh, Tim. Um, we'll have we'll have Marissa have that. that yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give it to the obvious. Uh, you know, maybe the only one he ever gets, the Doc Devin Ho- Devlin Hodges, um, for what he did. Uh, helping save the Steelers season. I mean, I've seen many quarterbacks come in and just, uh, pardon my pun with the doc, lay an egg in that situation, and and he did not. Um, He was confident. uh, Everything we talked about earlier in the podcast, and I'm giving it to him. All right, and I will go with, just because we we can mix this up a little bit, I'll go with James Conner. Even though he did leave the game, I thought he did such a great job of of setting the tone early on, both with the running game and giving Duck a uh, a great option to throw to. A couple of touchdowns for James Conner as they reestablish that running game. So I'll go with Conner. All right, on defense, who do you like? Well, I have to go with Devin Bush, Um, Tim. It it just, he set the tone early on. He, he, um, as you mentioned, was the only one who seemed aware that that lateral was a fumble and not a forward pass, picked it up and ran it in, and then just quick off the off the tip off uh, Alo Alo intercepted that pass. That 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 led to fourteen nothing lead for the Steelers and really set the tone for the whole game. All right, and I will go with, on the defensive side, I'll go T.J. Watt, just the pressure that he was able to help get in on on the quarterback on Phillip Rivers. And even though Rivers threw for all those yards, he just never seemed comfortable in this game. He was visibly frustrated at times. At one point, threw his helmet on the sideline, and, and he really got pressured all night, even though there was the one sack. So I think Watt was a big factor in that. I'll go with, with Watt. Finally, special teams, Ed, who do you like? I'm going to go... I'm going to cut the ball in half and give half to each, Tim. Um, uh, the first one is going to go to Jordan Berry, not not just for that punt at the one. He punted four times for 185 yards. Let's see, I'm going to do the math here. That's uh, 44, 48, 46, um, 0.25 yard average, uh, and he knocked two of them inside the 20, including that one at the one. So, He's my first one. And then Cam Sutton, um, not only did he play well on defense, the recovery of that onside kick, that was a tough one to, to grab. Uh, he snagged it, and um, so I'm, I'm giving him a half a game ball. All right, I will give my entire one to Cam Sutton. How about that? I, I got nobody else. <laughs> yeah. I was going to take either Barry or Sutton, and, and you took them both. So I'll go with Sutton as well um, to be able to get that onside kick. That was huge. I See, had Tim, if you would have given – if you would have cut them in half, they'd each could have gotten a full That's, game ball. <laughs> we can do that. Um, and we'll, we'll actually stitch the football. So, it's uh, yeah, anyway. Um, all right, so there's the game balls. It's good to be giving out game balls again. And there was a point this season where I wasn't sure we were ever going to get to that. But two wins now for the Steelers. Um, and, and certainly 
Looks like there's more to come with the schedule getting a little light here as they they move along. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. If you want to hear more about what's going on across the league, be sure to download the Football Fact Check podcast with Dave Damashek and special guests each week. Just another great podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, This podcast was available for you wherever you get your podcasts for free. But coming up later this week, we'll have the bonus podcast. That one only available for the athletic subscribers, uh, myself and Mark Caboli will be on with that one um, as we won't be getting you ready for a game, but we'll be checking in on the team and probably opening up a mailbag for you on that one. So get your questions in and Mark Caboli is going to answer them. We'll have him give a shout out on Twitter for that. If you don't follow Ed on Twitter, do it. He's at Ed Bouchette, easy to find. Uh, and then special thanks to our producer, Marissa Morris, as well. This has been episode 16 of the Immaculate Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in.